you're awake now. I've just got a bone to pick with Derek first. You in here, Derek. I was absolutely fine until you prayed for me this morning. <laughs> and um, I was actually a bit worried that I wasn't nervous and that God had made it quite easy to prepare. And then Derek prayed that I would just have the right level of nerves to get it right. <laughs> and um, I now have that sense of nervous expectation. A bit like when you're waiting to get on a roller coaster or propose or something of that ilk, you know. A bit different, but... Um, I just remember the words of that song that we sang, you know, we come with expectation and we're waiting here for you. And I just hope that a bit of my nervous expectation might catch and that you just have an expectancy of what God wants to do in your life this morning. So I'm just going to pray again if that's okay, because we all need it. I do. (laughs) And yeah, God, we just thank you for this time with you this morning. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us. Please clear our heads of, of the week that's gone and the week to come and the day to come, and the lunch in the oven, and the timer. And I just pray that you would just help us focus in right now on you. Just help us lay everything else down. Um, And Holy Spirit, come and speak what it is that you want each of us to hear right into our hearts and minds now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Samuel. Um, Samuel was born a few years ago, about 3,100. Quite a long time give it a bit more perspective, probably 1,100 years ago before Jesus was born on earth, roughly. Um, Samuel's mum, Hannah, uh, couldn't have children. She was barren, and this upset her quite a lot. So she actually talked to God and struck a deal, and she said to God, if I can have a son, then I'll give him back to you to serve you all of his life, which is a pretty big thing. And we're going to look at that in a couple of weeks' time. Don't want to spoil it. Um, But Hannah kept her promise to God. um, And so did God. Kept his promise to Hannah. um, And she had her son Samuel. He was born. He was weaned. And she took him to the temple. And she left him there. um, With the priest, Eli, um, to serve God. Um, So Eli, well, priest, first of all. just The word priest, I'm trying to... Graham told me I can't use any Christian words... Um, or if I do, I've got to explain them. So uh, I'm just trying to make it clear to me what these words mean. But the priest is the person that represents the people before God. So it's kind of a go-between. God, priest, people. Um, so this is Eli. Um, and as well as being a priest, he was also a prophet. <laughs> Another explanation required. Uh, he received messages from God and passed them on to the people they were for. Postboy. Um And he was also the judge of God's people. In those times, God hadn't desired his people to be ruled by a king. It had never been his desire. So instead, there were judges set up to help solve disputes. Um, And and that was Eli. Um, And Samuel himself went on to be those same three things. A priest, a prophet, and actually the very last judge of God's people before the people asked for a king. And that king was Saul, just to put it all in context. Um. God's people, um, maybe they're better on the floor, Uh, God's people, who were called the Israelites, uh, had an arch enemy. So we're just setting the scene here. You've got the Israelites, who are God's people, they're the goodies, and then we've got the arch enemy, who are going to be the baddies of this story, and then the Philistines. Still a kind of derogatory term that gets used, I think, sometimes. Bit of a Philistine, don't know if it's good. Um, But they were regularly having battles, Israelites versus Philistines. 
Um, they were fighting over whose land was whose, um, or possibly just trying to capture some of each other's people in order that they could make them work for them and be slaves and do a bit less themselves. And there's, there's lots of tit-for-tat, lots of fighting, lots of people killed, regular. It's kind of the story of the Old Testament, um, or some of it. Um, and, and one of the most famous examples of that is David versus Goliath that probably a lot of people have heard of. Goliath, this massive Philistine, I don't know, about 20 feet tall, um, threatening the Israelites, coming out and taunting them every day, and none of them want to fight him. And they're kind of saying, send someone out. Um, and in the end, the Israelites send out this little shepherd boy called David who uh, kills him. Um, so that's, that's a famous one. Um, so I'm just setting the scene here, really. And so Samuel's arrived on the scene, um, and God's people aren't living very close with God. Um, and it says in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. So you've got the picture. We've got the Israelites who are God's people. We've got the Philistines who are the baddies. Uh, they fight lots. Um, and the Israelites aren't very close to God. He doesn't give, give them messages much. They don't hear him much. That's the scene set. So thank you, Open the Book, for the wonderful drama. Um, I had a bit of deja vu in the middle of it. I, <laughs> I, I looked up and I thought, I've been studying this story for a week or two. and Yeah, there we go. But thank you. <laughs> I think it helped focus the mind. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, here we are with Samuel, who's still a boy, still living in the temple um, with Eli. He hears this voice in the night. He hasn't got a clue. He goes to Eli, says, what are you after? Middle of the night. Eli says, not me, I'm sleeping. Three times that happens. Three, just two, three, three times. Three times that happens. Eli, Eli gets, gets wind of what's happening. No, 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 it's God. Back to bed. Just tell him this be all right. Uh, as a result of that, um, Samuel gets this message from God for the very first time. And open the book, didn't go into what the message was. I wasn't going to. You might want to have a look for yourself at the end of Samuel 3. Um, and basically, it was quite a shocking message for Eli and his family. It was very direct. For your first word from the Lord, it was full on. If you received it this morning to say at the front of church, you probably wouldn't. Uh, so anyway, God spoke to Samuel, and Samuel learned um, how to listen to God's voice. He didn't know, but he learned it. Um, and in those times, which was before Jesus came to earth as a man, um, God's relationship with his people, as we heard just before, was via these priests, these go-betweens between the people and God. And that's something that's called the Old Covenant. And because of Jesus, we don't live under the Old Covenant, we live under the New Covenant, which is good news. It says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, um, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? You awake up there? Yeah. Um, I just think that's great. So that's just the first message this story and our story is a bit different. We don't need Samuel or Eli to represent us before God. We've got Jesus. He's done it. He's paid the price. We can go straight in. Um, and 
One of the mornings this week, God actually woke me up. I don't know if you ever get that. And you, you know it's different to waking up early. There's just something inside you. You know that God has got you up and said, if you'd like to hang out, I'm about. Just thinking of you this morning. And I didn't want to get up. I wanted to stay in bed. Um, and for Samuel, he, he, he didn't really have that. He didn't think, oh, if I ignore him, he'll go away. Even though he didn't know it was God, he was a bit more obedient. He got up. Maybe he was scared of Eli. I don't know. Eli seemed pretty threatening. Um, but why is it that we find it so difficult to spend time with the creator of the universe, to hang out with him when he wants to spend time with us? Not just early in the morning. We just don't prioritize it full stop. I don't. Anyway, why are we so blinded to the spiritual world that is just as real as the one that's in front of us? I'll leave that hanging. So moving on, we're only covering five chapters this morning. It's not too bad. There's only three pages of notes. I reduced the font to get it down to three pages. <laughs> the good news is we've done one page. Um, so Samuel was how many years before us? Yeah, okay, good, well done. So we're going back another 300 years um, pre-Samuel. Um, 300 years PS, 300 years pre-Samuel. 300 years prior to Samuel... Um, God instructed his people to make something called the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and this was something to be used um, in worship of God and in the way that the Israelites related to God. It was basically a chest. Um, inside the chest were the Ten Commandments on stone tablets that God had given to Moses. This chest was covered in gold, and it had two gold angels kind of up on top of it. Um, and the significance of the chest is that when God wanted to meet with the priest, he actually appeared as a cloud between these angels. So it was kind of the most holy object. Of all things physical, it was as holy as it gets. Um, and rightly so, the Israelites were quite attached to the ark, quite precious about it. It was something they had that other people didn't, um, Israelites being God's people still. Um, but it's also worth knowing that this ark came with some rules, um, we're not going to go into all of the rules now, but there were more than just one or two of them. You had to transport it correctly. You had to handle it correctly. You couldn't look inside it. Um, the, only the right people could go to it. You had to do the right cleansing rituals before you approached it. Uh, God was quite clean that this stayed holy and didn't get tainted by things of the world. So that's the ark. The Israelites really like it. It's really precious to them, and you have to handle it right. So in chapter 4 of Samuel... Um, we're just avoiding Samuel himself for three chapters, by the way, but we'll come back to him. Chapter 4 of Samuel, God's people decide that what would really help them beat the Philistines, because they've not been doing very well, is that if they take the ark, which is God's presence, into battle with them, probably that will mean they'll win. It wasn't God's plan, it was their plan. Um, needless to say, it goes really badly wrong. Um, the Philistines kill loads of Israelites, and they capture the ark and take it away for themselves. Which I suppose, to your enemy, looks like these people think it's the source of their power. We've taken it. And it's got lots of gold. <laughs> Great. Um, and it, you know, it went really badly. When Eli the priest heard what had happened, that the ark had been captured, he fell over and died. Um, his daughter, who was in the process of giving birth, died in childbirth, and in the process named her child Ichabod, which means... Where has the glory gone? Because the Israelites, God's people, 
had lost the glory. The presence of God, they, they saw it, that it had gone with the ark. Times are dire. And I must say, the Israelites aren't very good at fighting in the Old Testament. You'll see that when you read the books of the Bible. They don't do very well, except in certain situations when God's with them. And I think that's why they're so bad at it, because it can show us how good God is. Um, so only in chapter 5, um, the Philistines have got this ark, and they think, great, we've got the ark. We're going to take it back right into the center of our territory. So they put it into one of their own temples for their pagan god. And this god's called Dagon. And um, they put it in there, pride of place. Next morning, they go into their temple, and Dagon, who is like this kind of statue or idol, has fallen down, face down on the floor before the Ark of the Covenant of God. This isn't very good. Stand him up again. Next day, fallen down again. So stand him up again. Next day, he's fallen down, he's smashed to pieces. So this spooks them. They do not like this. Get rid of it. Um, one of the other villages can enjoy having the ark. They'll like that. So they take it to another village, which is called Ashdod. Uh, they all get plagues of tumors and start dying. So they want rid of the ark, so they send it to Gath. More tumors. They don't like it. So they say to the people of Ekron, here's this ark. Why don't you have it? People of Ekron say, don't bring it here. It'll kill us as well. We're not interested. Um, that really is cutting a long story short. Do read it. It's quite fascinating. Um, so in chapter 6, the Philistines think, don't like the ark. Gone off it altogether. Um, they want to return it to God's people. And that's a great story in itself. Have a read of chapter 6. It's fascinating. The way that they return it, they want to know whether or not it was the Israelites' God that caused all their trouble, or just whether it was perchance that wherever this ark went, things went badly wrong. Um, so they, they, they test God, and basically God proves to them that he is God and that it was him. Um, and the long and the short of it is the Israelites get the ark back. They see it coming because it actually comes on a cart with two oxen pulling it or two cows, but with no people. And this, this ark kind of rolls up into, into Israelite territory. Um, they have a big celebration, big party. Uh, 70 of the young men decide it's a great idea to have a look inside the ark, and they all die. So the Israelites are just doing very badly. Um, so let's have a quick recap of where we've come in this really happy story that we're all going to learn from so far. Things are not going well for God's people. They're really distant from God. We're not getting messages from God at this time. Um, it's not good. Uh, they decide it's a good idea to take the ark into battle, which is their own plan. They lose the ark. They eventually get the ark back. Um, they don't follow God's rules, and they end up dead, or some of them do. So I, it's kind of a low point. I don't know, my life feels like that sometimes. Not so much dead, but it feels like for all of my good intentions and all of the effort that I put in, the result I get is, is similar, maybe. And I, that's probably just me. But maybe occasionally for other people. For other people, that sometimes happens. So we've covered chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. Um, and now we're in chapter 7. Um, the Philistines, as ever, the enemies, the arch enemies, the bad guys, they're lurking, waiting to beat the Israelites up some more. Um, they've got rid of the ark. They're pleased about that. And maybe they just want a bit of vengeance. They're in the sidelines, waiting. Um, the Israelites are probably feeling pretty hopeless after all that's happened. Um, time to cue Samuel appearing on the scene, um, having done his stint in the temple um, and kind of as, as Eli's replacement. 
So in chapter 7, verse 3, Samuel said to all the people of Israel, if you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and images of Ashtoreth, determine to obey only the Lord, then he will rescue you from the Philistines. And when he said this, I don't know whether it went out via messenger, courier pigeon or letter or whatever he did, but he somehow told all the people in the land and then he gathered them all in one place. And he actually led them in repenting to God and saying, we've not been living the way you want, God. We're really sorry. We're going to start doing the things that please you again. Um, meanwhile, Philistines think, ha-ha, Israelites all in one place, even better. We can get them all. Um, so let's find out how this new attack of the Philistines goes against the Israelites. So if we move on to chapter 7, verse uh, 10 to 11, and then we'll also read verse 13. It says, um, Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. Now, just pause a minute. I quite like the point here that it required the Philistines to be thrown into confusion by God for the Israelites to defeat them. The Israelites were not that successful without God. But with God, let's see what they do. Um, the men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below beth slaughtering them all along the way. They're doing quite well. And then in verse 13, it says, So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. So, okay, Samuel's heard God. He's encouraged the Israelites what? God's asking them to do, they've done it, and the Philistines are held back for the rest of Samuel's lifetime. Good result? Want a similar victory in your life? Got any Philistines? It's picture language between me and the comparison. It's not, don't get your swords out. It's it's not the message. You see Derek looking excited. Um, so yeah, I think Samuel was somebody that knew how to please God and he knew how to help others do the same. He was someone that could point people back to God. He said, no, 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 this is, you, you want to you you have God's favour, this is what you need to do. That's it really. Um, the reason I was nervous is probably the challenge that God had given me to bring. I, and I, Really, I'm just sharing the challenge God's given me this week. I I believe that what God's given me here was for me. And I'm just sharing it in case it helps anybody. Because I know that he's speaking to me through this. And I know that what he's brought me to challenge you with now is something that I believe God wants to say right now. And if it doesn't click in your spirit, then don't be offended. But if it does, don't leave here without responding to God. Um, And just to make things clear, God loves you so much. You're chosen, you're anointed, you're called, and God loves you. And nothing I'm going to talk about now affects your salvation and how God sees you. It just affects the promises that God has for you and the successes that he can bring about in your walk with him and how close you walk with him, because that's actually a choice that we have. No one's going to take away your salvation. 
It's probably not possible. We're not going to bring that up today. But we have a choice in life as to how close we walk to God and how much of his blessing we walk in as a result. I asked earlier, you know, why do we find it so difficult to see the spiritual things? Why are we blinded to it? And I imagine that if we were presented with the choice between living the life that God has laid out for us, the life that's hand in hand with him, the life that's illustrated by the victory of the, over the Philistines, versus completely going our own way, that's just illustrated by being beaten by the Philistines time after time and going back with good ideas and then just being beaten again. I imagine in our heads, logically, we'd hear that, and certainly me, I, w- I would choose the life with God. Yet we somehow get blinded to that choice all the time, all the time. We choose to live our own way. We give God a little bit of our time on our terms. We come to church. We maybe pray. Um, and there's maybe little walls up as to where, how deep it can go, what it can affect. We give God it on our, uh, you know, what we give is on our terms. We obey God in some areas. And then in others, we either choose not to or we live in denial. Or we become content with the standard that we're living at has slipped. And it just becomes normal. Um. And then despite of all this, I wonder why I don't feel the favor of God in my life. Why I don't feel like I'm walking in the promises that I've read in his word. And I think, I can have so much faith for other people. And I see other people getting healed, um, getting whatever it is, an answer to prayer, um, being given a prophetic word for somebody, having confidence when things look rubbish. Because this isn't just about the situations changing, it's about us changing. God isn't going to make your life a walk in the park. That's, that's not scriptural at all. Um, but sometimes I feel jealous or I wonder why I don't get it. I don't get it like them. You know, God, this isn't fair. Why don't I get the favour they get? And I think we've got to go back to what we've just read. We've got to go back to 1 Samuel 7 verse 3. What did Samuel say? He said, if you were really serious about wanting to return to the Lord... Get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Determine to obey only the Lord, and then he will rescue you from the Philistines. Um, And if we just skip on as well to 1 Samuel 15, um, verse 22. um, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Is it your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering of fat rams. The way that we respond to God and what he gives us to do and his word is way more important than stuff. Way more important. So I've just reworded. I'm not claiming this is part of the Bible. Uh, I believe God spoke to me through Samuel, 1 Samuel 7 verse 3, and I've just reworded it for us. So Emily's going to put that on the screen. I believe this is God's word to us this morning. If you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid, sorry, rid your life of things that distract you from God. Decide to obey only the Lord. Then he'll be with you and he'll rescue you from evil. Idols in our lives, they're the things that we put in place of God. They don't have to be bad things. Could be our children. Could be a bit of television. Could be our career. Could be our relationships. 
food. It could be anything, but anything can become an idol in front of God. Pride, success. And when we don't obey God, we're not living according to his plans for us. Um, it, it's sometimes called sin. It's a bit of a touchy word. Um, it might be that we're living outside of the principles he's set up in his word. It might be that we know he's told us something and we're just not going there. We might be a Jonah, as we heard about a few weeks ago. We're just not interested. Um, there's going to be a chance to receive some ministry this morning um, in a few minutes, but I'm just going to pray for me um, because I need to respond to God. Um, and if you want to join in with this prayer, um, just in your heads, you can join in with it right where you are. If you want to put a marker today and say, God, I want to respond to what I've heard you saying in my life, and you want to stand up um, as we pray, just as a way of telling God you're serious, by all means, but there's no pressure. God's going to hear you regardless. Um, so I'm just going to pray. Um, and then after I've prayed, um, the worship team are going to come back and just play some quiet background music so that we can just stay in this place and reflect on what God's shown us and not not run away from that. The ministry team are going to come out the front when I've prayed um, and be available. Um, I believe there's some people lined up. Yeah. Um, you can come up for prayer for anything today. What would be a real shame is if you don't take an opportunity when God has highlighted something and you don't listen to his voice because we get used to not listening to it and it's really good to learn to respond. So if you want to stand, by all means, if you want to sit where you are, by all means, I'm going to pray. Yeah, Father, I just pray that you would show me any idols that are in my life. And anyone here who's standing with us this morning and wants to know what it is you would have them change about their lives so that they can focus more wholly on you. God, I just pray in this silence, you'll just give us um, your Holy Spirit speak into our hearts and that we'll hear what idols there are in our lives. I'll just take this time to ask God now. Father, by your Spirit, I just ask you to highlight what sin in my life is getting in the way of my relationship with you. Father, we repent of the things that block our relationship with you and stop us having the fullness that you would love to have with us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to us and highlights things. Thank you that you want to walk hand in hand with us. You want to speak and you want us to know when it's you. And by that Holy Spirit, God, because of the cleansing blood of Jesus, because of the new covenant, I just pray that those things you've highlighted, the prayers we've prayed, would just be heard. I pray that today, this week, you would help us start to make changes in our lives that turn us back to you, that help us experience the victories that you've got for us, that give us a confidence that's not based in our own ability, that's not based in our finance or our strength, but it's based in our relationship with you, Father. I thank you that even the situations in our lives, they may not change. They might stay exactly the same. You don't change, but
but you change us, God. I thank you that when you get involved, situations that seem impossible, situations that seem hopeless, come to pass. God, I thank you for the testimonies that you give us. And we just pray for more. Holy Spirit, give us more testimony of your goodness. Not for our glory, but for yours. Not for Bridge North Baptist's glory, but for the kingdom's glory. God, we pray that your kingdom would be established through your work that you do in our lives. Thank you that the kingdom's now, but not yet. We know that you are establishing it and that it is here. And we pray that it would be established in a greater measure. Father, we want to be part of your kingdom. We want to be part of your work, part of your workmanship, part of your team. And God, I just pray that anything that blinds me to um, the things of the spiritual, that, that that would just go, God. When I get engrossed in work, when I get tied up in busyness, um, that that would just go by the wayside and that I would first come for that relationship with you and that it would be a vital connection. Yeah, God, we want to live life to the full, life as you made it to be, life in step with you. In Jesus' name, amen.